Welcome to BIV Today. I'm reporter Tyler Orton. And BIV's ongoing education series, it continues with a discussion many of us, I think, need to have as the pandemic shakes not only our lives, but our careers. A lot of people are thinking maybe now is the right time to reskill. And with us today is somebody who has a lot of experience when it comes to coding and a lot of demand that goes into that coding world. It is Jeremy Shockey. He is CEO of Lighthouse Labs. Jeremy. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. And if it makes the interview easy, I'm happy to just say yes. Should people reskill? <laughs> yes. And I think that's the interview over, right? Interview over. But uh, before before we get to that point, I'm curious, like, what was the initial reaction like at the outset of the pandemic? Were a lot of people just kind of in paralysis mode about what to do next? Or did you get like kind of that immediate interest feeding over towards Lighthouse Labs about people that were realizing, like, maybe I need to rethink uh, the career uh, right now. So there was actually three, I'd say three different levels of what we saw right at the beginning of the pandemic. So you had people who'd already decided that they wanted to switch jobs or careers that all of a sudden froze. So everybody who was thinking about it prior and had made the decision to come to Lighthouse either during or just before, um, as things went online, as everything stopped, the first question was, okay, should I actually be doing this right now? And so people who'd made that decision, um, they hesitated. Then there were the people who we saw a huge um, influx of interest in terms of people either losing jobs or people realizing this was not the job they wanted to be in and now was the time to make the decision. But what we did see is a much bigger apprehension towards spending money. So whereas people definitely wanted to change careers, the uncertainty around what jobs were going to look like, the future in general, and nobody really knowing what COVID was, how it was. I mean, if you remember, people were buying huge swaths of toilet paper at the beginning, thinking the Armageddon might be here. So um, I think people at first were very guarded about bank accounts, guarded about making any big change, not knowing what the future held, but the interest was there. So we saw a lot of applications, but a much more apprehensive applicant. Um, whereas as time went on, that apprehension kind of went away. And yeah, we saw a massive influx of people looking to re-change just to be in a better career position, not only because of COVID, but I think a lot of these people had been thinking about this for a while and decided now is the time. Well, I also wonder though, like, have you guys noticed, are there certain people who were in a, a certain career that they wanted to shift over? Or, or have you been able to draw people from... Um, you know, certain industries to consider how they can amplify their own skills through coding? Or has it been kind of across the board interest that you've witnessed over the last, let's say, nine or 10 months? Well, let's, I'll start by saying it was, we've seen across the board interest. I mean, people, people are coming from all different career paths. Um, and, you know, everything, everything from, uh, you see people from landscaping, people from manufacturing, people from oil and gas, people from uh, journalism, people from all over. But um, the reality is I think there was a few, uh, few career spots that we saw really make major changes. So people in the hospitality and services industry, uh, we saw a lot of change towards wanting something different. Uh, and we saw a lot of people in the oil and gas space. So oil and gas, especially in Alberta, uh, just got hit massively. And I think the third section of people are people who've actually worked tech adjacent. So they've worked with developers, they've worked with data scientists, they've worked even in technology but they weren't tech technologists themselves. And I think those big um, categories of people 
recognize that there was actually a real value in being able to be the person who built these things as opposed to a person who just worked adjacently to them. Uh, so we saw a lot of people who known devs and worked with them or known data science and worked with them join and into our program and wanting for a full rescale. I was taking a look at BC's job numbers from a couple of weeks ago, and it's obvious uh, technology since the pandemic, technology jobs have actually expanded. As you mentioned, hospitality, tourism, they've suffered quite a bit. Is there a certain amount of certainty that people have about going into this industry that it was already on kind of the upward trend even before the pandemic? COVID seems to have accelerated a lot of things that were already in motion. <clears throat> like, you know, when we, even when I say the oil and gas industry, <clears throat> excuse me, um, th there was already problems going on in that industry and that accelerated on that side. Well, on the technology side, technology has been outpacing the general job market and industry growth for the past five years. That's not a new thing. It's just that right now it's almost like a K-shape. We talk about K-shape recovery, but it's also just a K-shape in terms of where industry is going, whereas you're seeing technology continuously take off, whereas other industries are really struggling and kind of falling on wayside a little bit. Tech has been in a boom since COVID started. Um, I think the other thing that probably plays its big part, especially in places like British Columbia, where you already have the people who are outdoors and wanting to potentially live a little further out of cities, um, developer jobs, data science jobs, jobs, jobs with technology are much more comfortable to be doing from wherever you want to live. And I think people are taking that a lot more seriously. We see that as a major reason why people are actually looking at reskilling right now. There's been a lot of that within our applicant pool. How knowledgeable is the typical applicant about coding at this point? Are they folks that haven't tried it before? Or are they folks that at least have some sort of like kind of base knowledge of what it takes to be successful? Yeah, I'd say the ratios are about the same as far as people who show up at our door, some of which have not really known coding at all, some of which have just dabbled with it, and then others who've like really played with it and know they need a course like this to really take them to developer or data scientist. Um, so I'd say the ratios are the same. There's just a larger volume. But we definitely have a ton of people who are just saying, hey, I hear dev jobs are great. I'd like to, I'd like to become a dev, never having touched code. Our usual recommendation to them is before you make that decision, there's a lot of free resources online. Go and play with it a little bit. See if you like it. Make sure you're experimenting with it and exploring. You know, you don't want to pay for something if you can. If you're not, if you don't like it, or you're not sure that you even need to. There's people who become developers without any course like ours. So just making sure people are trying that stuff before they show up at a school like ours and taking the full jump into reskilling usually a very important step. And we see a lot of people already doing that. Well, a lot of people in your position could look at this uh, heightened demand and um, say, okay, well, let, let me seize every single opportunity. But I understand last year you guys wanted to give back. You guys were offering those resources. Tell me why that was so important and what exactly you guys were able to offer to folks. Yeah, I think I think Lighthouse Labs was built uh, when we originally were when we originally started, you know, the whole point of doing something short form and only, at the time we were only 8 weeks as a program. The idea was to make more accessibility for people to get into technology space that a lot of people didn't have four years or two years to go take programs. Um, everybody has jobs and careers and families and lives. And so being able to do it in a much shorter form and get in was actually our way of approaching accessibility and was a response to the need that was going on in the marketplace and amongst human beings, people all over the place. So when COVID hit, 
I think it was just an extension of stuff we already think about, which is, okay, our job is to respond to how do we most efficiently and best train people to help get them into the technology space and fill the massive amount of technology jobs that there are. And the real burden and problem with that was that people were very worried about money and people were losing jobs. And instead of helping people who were hadn't lost a job, but had a job and were making this decision, we were encountering a lot more people who were unemployed. And we didn't feel that it was, uh, there wasn't a lot we could do from a financial perspective of giving money out or sponsoring things or providing charities money because we were worried about where our business was. But the one thing we were able to do was cut a significant amount of our prices through a scholarship form for anyone that had lost their job um, or anyone who had become underemployed uh, based on COVID because we really did see that as something that was responding to the need of the market. And that was that was the new problem, right? The problem used to be just time and, and amount of opportunity. Now the problem was, okay, I'm not sure I have the money to take a program like this, and yet it would be so useful, important. So by offering scholarships, uh, I think we were able to make a huge impact. We offered over a million dollars of scholarships in 2020 to people who were underemployed or unemployed. The feedback we got, the stories we got were incredible. And our company, that's, we're an impact-oriented company. We hire impact-oriented people. Um, I think how much that galvanized our own staff and employees who also were feeling that same grief and concern and stress about the COVID-related future. Um, I think it was a really big turning point, pinnacle moment for Lighthouse because we saw these people who were so appreciative of being able to come in at that point um, and and reskill because it was it felt like an opportunity for them that they could take this program for a cheaper price than they would normally get it at and that they were being helped specifically because of the situation they'd been put in. I think it felt personal. I think it felt uh, community oriented and uh, we've seen just incredible results and the kind of things that will make me personally proud for the rest of my life in terms of um, just being able to help somebody make a big transition at a very scary time into a career that they are happier in where they can make money and they can do more with their with their lives. We feel really, really good about that. So what happens at a, a coding session? What, what is it like? Uh, obviously, we're going to have to expect some sort of uh, virtual platform will be uh, used, but um, what, what goes down? Well, um, it's it's we use a generally a flipped classroom model. Um, so what happens is in one any given day, uh, you're actually getting only about two hours of lecture in the day, and the entire rest of your time is working through projects uh, and building. Right, so learning by doing, very important part of House Labs. So you'll be sitting there. Some of it's group projects, some of it's solo projects. Um, you're in a group of people, so you're on Slack all the time and chatting with each other. There's Discord, which has your video open at all times, so you can see your other classmates, have conversations, talk to them, um, break out with people to have certain sessions. But then we also have a technology, it's called Rudder, and it basically allows our mentors to provide just-in-time support or on-demand support. So the second someone is worried about something or they're not getting something, they're able to click a button and immediately a professional developer or professional data scientist, depending on the program, uh, are able to show up right away and essentially help them with their problem and help them work through how to solve that. And I think that's been kind of the critical component, which is there's a lot of online content out there and there is a lot of structure in terms of how people learn. But Lighthouse Labs really focuses on two major pieces, which is personalizing the education through on-demand support and then rapid evaluation and assessment. So people knowing what level they're at 
when they're answering things, when they're doing projects and immediately getting a sense of what they have to continue working on in order to build. So a session really involves a lot of feedback, um, a lot of human communication, and yes, a lot of work on an online platform in terms of building and creating. And I think that's been something that it challenges people, it challenges our students uh, greatly, but I think we've managed to really build in the connectivity between people throughout the program that's maintained our um, our kind of special sauce in light of everybody else being online as well. Did you learn anything last year that may surprise you, something you did not expect from whether it's demand for uh, these coding skills, it's demand from you know certain demographics that you would not have initially expected to come and uh, get upskilled like this? Uh, what, what was kind of your big takeaway from 2020? Imagine I walked out of COVID and hadn't learned anything. That would be that would be terrible. <laughs> what a waste. Um, yeah, I learned I learned tons of things. Um, so I'd say first and foremost, I learned that uh, you know it, I probably understood a little bit of this, but I think it made a much bigger difference to know that education is very much about the comfort of the learner and the online component of education. I always thought that part of it was that you know you you can't teach all this kind of stuff online. It's very hard to build that personal approach. But actually what it really takes is the willingness and desire and effort of the learner and the teacher and the school to want to make a great learning experience. The second everybody is fully committed to learning online and isn't thinking about how they'd rather learn in person because that's not really an option, the skills that people pick up to do it well and to connect with each other and the new forms and ways that people realize um, that they can work together in these kind of spaces and the tools they use are incredible. And what we saw was actually the learning scores of our students are actually better now than they were in person, which blows me away. And that wasn't, I would not have expected that. So that would, that would be one. Um, I think the, I think the other major one when, when looking at all of this is just the resilience of people. Um, I think people really do. There was a lot going on with COVID. I think there's a lot more mental health um, side of work and education that you kind of have to work through and help people. Um, but people people are much more resilient than we give them credit for. And the kind of efforts I watched uh, going through something like this while things are going on in your life, while working from home with a family, uh, I, I just commend. Uh, it just gives you a lot of positivity when thinking about human beings and how we work through different problems as they come. I know there's a lot of news that can go in a bad way these days and in general. And I took a lot of positives out of watching people really show their resilience through education like this. Well, excellent. Jeremy, it's always a pleasure for me to just pick your brain and uh, understand all these insights that you have to offer here. And I, I just want to thank you once again for joining us on the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Tyler. And thank you for covering a topic like this. Uh, I know it's meaningful to us, but I think it's meaningful to a lot of people who are thinking about career changes. It's a big decision. So really appreciate you shining light on it. It's fantastic. And that was Jeremy Shockey. He is the CEO of Lighthouse Labs. But our education series, it will continue tomorrow. So join us then. Until tomorrow, you can go to BIV.com for more interviews and more stories there. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.